0: Hello and welcome to Teach, a podcast about teaching and learning in South Australia. I'm Dale Atkinson from the South Australian Department for Education.
1: And I'm Monique Miller, primary school teacher at Westport Primary.
0: In this series, we'll take you to a different school every month where you'll meet engaging educators who are working hard to inspire our students and make sure they're prepared for an ever-changing world.
1: Today we're at Pennington, Arda 7 in Adelaide's northwestern suburbs, which is on Kaurna land. We pay respects to Elders past and present. Today we're talking about literacy. Shortly you'll hear from one of the guest speakers at this year's Literacy Summit about the science of reading. Plus, you'll hear from some awesome educators about how they've improved reading outcomes at their school. But before then, Dale, what's making news?
0: Thank you, Monique. Uh, As you just mentioned, the Literacy Summit kicked off last month for the first time ever. It was an online virtual event featuring literacy experts from right across the world. There are 13 presentations you can catch up on. You just have to head over to Plink and... While you're on there, if you're a year one teacher, you can register for our phonics screening check training sessions. That training is mandatory. There are three options to choose from based on your level of experience. This year's checks will take place in term three between the 2nd and 27th of August.
2: Teach.
1: Today we're at Pennington, R to 7, talking literacy. Literacy supports students learning across the whole curriculum and is fundamental to learning. Earlier, I caught up with Professor Pamela Snow from La Trobe University to talk about the simple view of reading and how it can help teachers and students.
2: Well, simple view of reading is a theoretical framework. Can I say, first of all, that I think the simple view of reading, the word simple is a bit of a misnomer. Um, I like to refer to it as the elegant view of reading because it pairs the reading process back for the novice to core skills and processes that have to be in play in order for children to achieve the final purpose of reading, which of course is extracting meaning from text. So the simple view of reading is a formula, really, Mm. that's got two elements to it. One is the child's ability to decode or to identify the words on the page. So um, knowing that the black squiggles are in fact a code that written text is a code for spoken text. So being able to to crack the code, that's the decoding part of the formula. And the other part of the formula is their language comprehension. And, and that's because we know both of those processes have to be in play in order for children to achieve that endpoint of understanding text. Importantly, the mathematical operator in between those two elements of the formula is a multiplier, not a, an addition sign. So it's not decoding ability plus language comprehension ability. It's decoding ability multiplied by language comprehension ability because anything multiplied by zero is zero. So if you don't have skills on either side of that ledger, you're not going to be able to comprehend what you read. Or if you have weak skills on one or both of those sides, that's going to contribute to weakness in the reading process as well. So all all children need to um, have um capacities in both decoding and then in understanding what they're reading. It's possible to decode something that you can't understand. It's not possible to understand something that you can't decode. The best example I can give you of that is the fact that I studied French for six years at secondary school a long time ago. I've forgotten an awful lot of my French vocabulary, but I do still know how French language works from a decoding perspective. I understand French orthography, the writing system. So if you gave me a page of French text, I could read it out loud, but I couldn't really tell you very much about what it means because my vocabulary store now is very thin. On the other hand, if you gave me a page of text in Arabic, I wouldn't be able to decode it and therefore I wouldn't be able to understand it because I don't understand the orthography of Arabic.
1: How does it provide guidance for student assessment?
2: Well, it helps us to break down some of the um, core component skills and, and it's important to say too that um, more recent workers have broken down the simple of reading into its component parts one. One well-known example of that is the Scarborough Reading Rope um, that was produced by Hollis Scarborough back in, I think that was published around 2001, 2002. And many listeners to this podcast would be familiar with the Reading Rope, but if they're not, a simple Google search will pull it up. Um, And what Hollis Scarborough did in that was to break down really the elements both in the decoding part of reading and in the language comprehension part so that teachers are very cognizant of processes that they need to be addressing at an instructional level and also skills that they need to be assessing um, in emergent readers. So if we look at um, the word recognition side of the rope, we're looking at phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, knowledge of the alphabetic system, the, uh, the, the alphabetic principle, the recognition of some high-frequency words that uh, perhaps are... are Leaning more towards what we might call less regular, and um, that's a, maybe a discussion for another day, but it is um, generally thought that it's helpful for beginning readers to recognize a small number of high frequency words immediately on site, like the word I and my and the. So that's the word recognition part, the, the decoding part, the alphabetic principle, phonological and, and phonemic awareness. And then the language comprehension part of the, um, the, the Scarborough reading work, which is also the language comprehension part of the simple view of reading, are uh, factors such as the student's background knowledge, their level of vocabulary, the extent to which they can understand and use syntactic structures to represent sentence structure and meaning their verbal reasoning ability, their ability to, to grasp the fact that language is sometimes used literally and it's sometimes used metaphorically, so when we say something like, um, it's a piece of cake, we're not literally referring to a piece of cake on a plate, we're saying that it's, it's really simple. And then of course there's also um, knowledge about print and, and print concepts.
1: How can teachers like myself use the simple view of reading in the classroom?
2: It's been said that we have a language brain, but we don't have a reading brain. And I think if teachers keep that in mind, it helps to reinforce for them um, the level of difficulty um, that some children face in getting across that bridge. Some children will get across it quite seamlessly, it seems, and that's fantastic. But we have to have early years classrooms that cater to all children under the curve and especially children who are perhaps closer to the tail of the curve um, and may need quite a specific boost in both of those components of the simple view of reading.
1: Absolutely. I can see in my classroom how, you know, what some students can be fantastic at decoding, but their language comprehension just isn't there. So
2: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, and and, and they're, they're, e- they're equally, reliant, equally important and they're mutually reliant. Um, so you, you don't become a successful reader if you've only got one of them. Mm-hmm. You have to have both of them.
0: Professor Pamela Snow from La Trobe University there. Let's go local now and hear from two educators who have embraced this theory. Principal Georgina Grinstead and teacher Stasha Andrews. Welcome to you both.
3: Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us both.
0: Georgina, let's start with you. Why did you decide to adopt the simple view of reading at your school?
3: Okay, so we had been working on um, the teaching of reading like everyone else for a really long time um, but our results weren't really showing us that children were getting it and so we knew that we needed to do something different. Two of my staff attended the Literacy Summit back in 2019 where Pamela Stowe and others spoke and in the process of that people got really enthused about there's something new and different here that we could perhaps be looking at. We knew that it wasn't working so why not have a go? So that's really where where the whole thing started from.
1: And what was your experience with The Simple View of Reading? When did you first hear about it?
3: Okay, so that was... Uh, that was my first time, I guess. Um, some of my leaders, uh, particularly my literacy mentor, had heard about it already and was already doing some preliminary work. We actually started this whole journey, though, um, on writing. So we'd started with how language works. And we wanted children to and teachers to be able to understand how language actually functions. So we had done that whole as a whole staff. Um, and out of that, um, teachers started to say, I didn't know this stuff I didn't know um, all of this information, so how could I teach it? And then they started saying, and I went to uni and I never actually got taught how to teach children to read. So we went, okay, this is the journey that we need to go on. My next question is for Stasha. How did the discovery of the simple view of reading change the way
1: you teach?
4: Um, Well, just building off of what Georgina said earlier, I'm an early careers teacher and I had that same thought of I haven't been taught how to teach reading appropriately at uni. I hadn't been exposed to Simple Viewer reading. I had a pretty limited experience with it. So I've been on the same learning journey as everyone else, familiarising myself with the Simple Viewer reading and learning about it. So I think for me, I now know the strands required to be a fluent, proficient reader through Scarborough's Rope. And I think one of the big learning areas for me has been understanding that vocab is crucial to making meaning and it's connected to knowledge of a text. Um, So this has definitely changed the way that I teach, changed what I teach, how I teach it. I've been focusing quite heavily on teaching vocabulary one of the strands quite explicitly. Um, so vocab has also been something that we've been working on as a whole school. It's part of our site improvement plan. It's also been part of our PLT teaching sprints. vocab being part of our teaching sprints has provided me with the opportunities to engage in robust dialogue and discourse with my colleagues, with leadership and with our literacy coach here as well.
1: I really want to know more about these sprints you're talking about.
4: Yes, so we started with writing first on sentence structure um, and then we progressively made our way into reading. Um, So last year we focused quite a bit on the vocab instructional routine and how we could work that into our daily program and our daily schedule. Um, So the vocabulary instruction routine is all about introducing words and breaking it down or teaching it explicitly. Um, I modified the routine slightly just so I could focus on the morphemes of the words a lot more. I added more activities to provide students with multiple learning opportunities to actually practice the knowledge that they were learning and actually apply it. Um, So we started with a vocab instruction routine and now we've moved into a space this year where we're looking at comprehension um, and the complexities that come with teaching that.
1: I love, I love, I've been teaching vocabulary as well and to see that in their writing it's just so fantastic and using it and they're noticing it more and yeah and, and more of a Upper primary lens, as opposed to what we think of um, learning to read in the phonetics of it all. Yeah. So yeah, yourself as a upper primary teacher. Yes. Yeah, to sort of look at it through vocabulary and that um, more sophisticated vocabulary. Yeah,
4: definitely. And I use that same term, sophisticated <laughs> vocabulary, in my classroom as well, and it's been great because their writing has improved, their sentences have improved, their vocab choices. Mm have improved where, you know, the kids are saying, miss, I'm using more sophisticated terminology. I'm using more sophisticated words, which is great. Um, So I've seen that change in their reading and their writing, but I've also placed an emphasis on oral as well. I said, I don't want to just see it in your written stuff or your reading. I also want you using it in your oral language. Even the other day I was on Ya duty and a student walking around with me and she was telling me a story about her grandmother, her maternal grandmother. And I'd explicitly taught maternal as part of my vocab lessons, which was great because she just naturally worked it into conversation so I could see her actually applying what I'm teaching. So that's was really good.
1: Makes it all worth it, hey? Definitely. <laughs>
0: So, Georgina, here we are, we're at a Category 2 school with a really kind of diverse and uh, interesting group of kids. Um, can you talk a little bit about the struggles that the students were having before you implemented the explicit teaching of reading?
3: Certainly. Um, like I said, our data was, was really bad. And I guess we are a very data-driven system. So, for us as a school... Um, We were putting in lots of effort and it wasn't actually going anywhere. So we really had to question what is it that we're doing and is it having an impact? And that's really where the sprinting comes from because it's about teachers looking at one very small aspect of their practice and then trialling that for five weeks, and then if it doesn't work, getting rid of it and actually then replace it with something that does. So for our children who don't have resources at home, they haven't got lots of rich language experiences, they're not being exposed to um, classic literature and, and good text materials, despite the fact we were doing that, that, that old immersion concept wasn't working. So um, as Tasha said, what we needed to do was actually be more explicit so the explicit teaching, I guess, was the fundamental aspect of what we changed and what we did differently. I also talked to my staff a lot about the fact that for children, a learning journey in a school should be like a trip around Australia, not a trip around the world... Because there should be commonalities, there should be a common currency, there should be a common language, there should be sets of the culture should have things in it that are the same wherever you go, so that every year you're not spending the first term getting to know how this teacher does stuff. Um, so I think for us, that's really been the next part of this. Is now we've got a consistency. Everyone speaks the same language. Teachers are doing the same activities. The sprinting brings year level groups together, and two and three classes are actually practicing the same technique with their children. To see if it's effective. So for struggling readers, um, the, the that whole notion now of being accessing the resourcing they need. So we got rid of all of the PM benchmark books and we now use decodable readers. So until a child can read, they don't see any other text other than decodable. Um, and that's made a really, really big impact. And what's
0: the, uh, I mean, you, you correctly identified that we're very data-driven system. What's been the overall kind of shift in those numbers that you've seen since adopting the the technique?
3: So we've seen improvement across the board, particularly at our year three level. Alongside of all of this, we've also implemented a synthetic phonics program, which is called Read by Inc. They have a program called Fresh Start, which which we've used as an intervention with our older children, um, because until children have the letter sound connection, until they have really clear phonological awareness, phonemic awareness, until they understand all that no matter what level they're working at that was very I guess that was an aha moment for many of our upper primary teachers we can keep pushing away at what we've done um, but if children have missed those basics it doesn't matter how hard we push it's not going to change anything so that's I guess that's really been one of the biggest direction changes for us as a school
1: Stasha, what benefits have you seen for students into using the simple view of reading and have these had impacts on student outcomes yeah, it's definitely had positive um,
4: impacts on the student incomes. I think the improvement has been as a result of our understanding of how this learning takes place through the science of reading and how do we actually address the breakdown. Before I started learning about the simple view of reading, I didn't know much about it. I couldn't I address or identify the breakdown. But now I can identify the breakdown. I can figure out the problem. I can figure out what needs to happen next for that child. And I feel that all of us teachers have been on that journey and we now can identify the breakdown and now we can give them that tailored program. And so now the kids are actually getting what it is they need rather than some other program that's not really serving the purpose. And I think as well in my class, I had groups of students who they could accurately decode what it was they were reading, but they weren't actually understanding the words they were reading. There was was no meaning there. But then on the opposite side of the spectrum, I had other kids who were focusing so much on the word recognition side of things that they just cognitively just didn't have the capacity to take in the meaning. And so we've implemented, you know, the explicit teaching of reading. We've upskilled ourselves with simple view of reading. We implemented the uh, program that Georgina mentioned earlier for the older students and so it's worked. They've got the alphabetic code now. I had one student who worked his way through the program. He now has his alphabetic code. He's reading with more fluency. He can decode unknown words and with that he's actually more confident now and he's more engaged in reading. Before it was like a chore for him. Now it's like miss 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 when's novel study. So I've seen an overall confidence change demeanour.
0: Have you noticed like that's had a positive impact on uh, that student's Overall experience at school is there? Does the confidence kind of expand out into other areas of? of
4: yes, of the it has. Um, it's definitely helped him be more confident with his writing as well because. He's able to read all of the background knowledge, and um, his fluency has improved as well. With it, I'm just so proud of this child. Sorry, oh. but um, <laughs> um, so he's because his flu- he can decode the unknown words. His fluency has improved, so when we are doing tasks, he's actually understanding the knowledge and information that he needs in order to then write about the topic. So then he's more confident with his vocab choices going into his writing. His writing is improving. So it's just—it's just been a bit of a flow-on effect for him, and. He, it's not that he's forcing himself to participate. He's actually genuinely wanting to engage now and he's actually excited about reading or his writing. Um, So it's just been an overall kind of positive.
0: Sounds like the most incredible thing. Is that something you recognise in your own sort of teaching experience? Absolutely. It just
1: warms my heart. It really does. Just hearing other teachers as well, being outside of the classroom and getting to meet you and, and hear yourself talk about it. I've Can relate to it so much as well and really understanding um what part of reading that they're they're missing um -hmm. to have good uh reading comprehension is it the decoding is it the language comprehension and being able to to realize that and and fix it really changes makes some outcomes Yeah. yeah
3: definitely
1: Georgina what
3: impact has the explicit teaching of reading had on your school well, I think first and foremost, it's it's had a big impact on teacher confidence. So it's not just about children. It's if, if teachers know and understand what it is they have to teach, then they're going to be much better at doing that. So I think fundamentally it's been about that. It's been about confidence. It's interesting. There have been teachers who've come and have been resistant along the way because as teachers we get used to doing what works for us sometimes and not necessarily what works for our children. Our other teachers have said, oh you know, I did university, why am I doing this again? And other teachers have said, you've actually made me a better teacher. So, you know, that that's rewarding, um, knowing that if you take, this was a risk, you know, this wasn't something that just happened. We had to, we had to take a big risk. We, also, we had to get people, teachers to convince that this is going to be better. And in the beginning, they had to abandon a lot of things that they had been used to doing. And that takes a leap of faith. So I'm really grateful that I had such an amazing group of of teachers who wanted to take that leap of faith with us. Um, And even those who were reluctant in the beginning, like I said, have come to it and realised that they are now more effective in their teaching because ultimately we we spend a lot of time and energy, a lot of thought goes into the work that we do but if we're not having an impact then why would we keep doing it you know mm. that's a bit like banging your head against a brick wall um so that's been a really big change like i said the consistency now we now have the language that we all speak um the fact that the conversations in the staff room have changed the conversations that i have with teachers are changing uh, that's really important and then the flow on effect of when you see children for the rewrite ink program for example um, we've just done a new round of testing because obviously we've got new children in to our school for the start of the year and children who come racing up to me and go I've moved from the pink group to the you know so t- to see little ones really really excited and know that they're progressing you know I think for many of our children they they used to come to school and they didn't actually know whether they were making any difference for themselves um so I think there's been a just a real a very positive change to the culture of the school um and also that's had an, you know an outgoing impact on the the re- achievements and the results You're so
1: right. That consistency is key. And when you find something good, you really want it to run from reception right through to Year 7. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, ladies, what advice would you give to a teacher or a school considering assessing and using the simple view of reading?
3: Let's start from the whole school perspective. I think you need to take a risk. You know, you need to say we what we're doing isn't working, we need to do something different. Um, and so as the leader, you need to have that vision. Then in my case, I've got an amazing team around me. Um, we chose, because there was no real training and development we could access externally around this, we chose to do it ourselves. We, so we chose to upskill ourselves so that we could upskill teachers so that they could upskill children. So it has to be on all of those levels. Um, and basically, you need people who are willing to be learners, who are willing to be vulnerable, who are willing to take on the challenge um, and willing to say, you know what, this isn't working, so I'm going to now try something different. That to me, I think is fundamental. Stasha?
4: Um, I think from my perspective and maybe even the perspective of an early careers teacher as well, I think one of my biggest things was make sure that you know and understand how our language works, have a good grasp of the, no- of the language and also have a good grasp of how best the teacher, how students learn it best. Um, you know we didn't learn a lot of this stuff at uni Um, and so go out do your homework do your research and it's a journey you're not going to get it just like that you've got to keep keep at it and keep learning Um, you know we've been on that journey now as a school for the last couple years and I think the science and the research is really clear on what we need to know and do to make a difference it's just a matter of looking at the research look at evidence-based practice and just give things a go just give it a go trial it out and see how you go.
1: I love that. And finally, I have one last question, which we're going to ask at the end of all our podcasts. What is one thing that you love about your school?
3: Wow. <laughs> Um, there are lots of things. I don't know that I can name it in one, but I, I do think going back to what I just said before, I do think it's about the commitment of my staff Mm. to make a difference for children, you know, as a category two school, these children need all the help they can get. And everybody here I know comes to school every single day to do their very best for kids. And as a leader, I couldn't ask for better than that.
4: Yeah, look, I mean, I have, I can't pick just one thing. I really, really love it's working tough. here. I really love this school, and I love a lot about it. Um, I, but I think I would be a, a, I think I would agree with Georgina. I love how dedicated and how committed we all are as staff members. It's just even like Georgina said, the conversations in the staff room are changing. Everything we do is for the betterment of our kids. Um, and that's probably one of my favorite things, just how hard we're working to make sure that we have better outcomes for our students.
0: Well, I think walking in here this morning, like the enthusiasm and the energy kind of really just shows through. And I think it's just such an incredible place you've got here and the the way the kids are kind of interacting, it's just such a positive vibe. And I think there's so many great things that are going on. So, thank you. Um, thank you. yeah. So thank you very much for, for your time and taking time out of the classroom. Um, so I'd like to thank Georgina and Stasia for sharing their experience of teaching in South Australia and trying something new in the classroom. It's been fantastic hearing about how you've both used and adopted the simple view of reading to improve outcomes for your students. Just a reminder to everyone that the simple view of reading is addressed in the Advanced phonics Screening Check training session, which you can register for on Plink. Thanks to everyone out there who is listening. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to Teach on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts or head to our website, education.sa.gov.au forward slash teach. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question we could all learn from, get in touch with us via Twitter at edu underscore sagov, Facebook or email us at education.teachpodcast at sa.gov.au.
1: Catch you next time on Teach.